Hey everyone, how you doing today? We are starting our expert series off great this week with Greg Dickerson. How you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. How are you doing? Doing well, man. So uh, we are going to try this gallery view. Uh, if you've been watching my channel for any length of time, we always go back and forth. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Leave comments below. If you guys like the gallery view, great. Uh, if you want to go back the other way, we're a little bigger, maybe on your phones or whatnot, let us know. We are we are here to serve, so we want to do what makes sense. So let's try this gallery view. You ready for it, Greg? I am ready, man. Yeah, somebody, <laughs> one of your viewers mentioned it, you know, like when you look at CNBC or stuff like that, and they do interviews, usually they're, you know, a lot of times they're side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah I give it a shot. I always like to do it mm -hmm. the other way because I uh, I am drinking coffee, but hey, I can uh, do it this way well, too. Hey, drink, man. I always drink my Diet Coke or water whenever we're talking, so go for it. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, the first thing we're going to talk about is – something that you and I've touched on in the last couple of weeks, but you're my guy, right? You're my developer. You're my ground up. You, you think big, right? And this build for rent model, I believe yeah. this build for rent model, let me sort of put it in a box. So we're clear, right? Build for rent means building single family homes with the intention of leasing up as a package. And then at the end of that, you're going to sell that off uh, to Wall Street or hedge funds or pension funds or insurance companies or whatever. They're essentially taking what was proven in the Great Recession, i.e. single families can become a bundle and scale, kind of on steroids. And I actually see it as a wonderful business model, both for developers, builders, and hedge funds, insurance funds, or insurance companies. And I mean, there's all kinds of ramifications of that, but I thought I would kind of put that in a box and, and see what you thought. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of different build-to-rent models, like you can use townhouses, condos, and apartments, but we're talking today specifically about single-family build-for-rent, yep. which is not new, but it is becoming more and more popular. There's more and more interest from institutional investors on this product. And there's a lot of ways to skin that cat, even when you think about build to rent single family. So a couple of the models out there is one, you just do a general traditional subdivision where the land is deeded fee and simple per house. So you can sell, you know, exit whoever the investors are at the end of the day, land and house, you know, to individual buyers. Mm -hmm. But generally what's happening is these, there's some bigger developers and bigger home builders that are going in developing these communities, putting in a hundred, 200, a thousand. I mean, there's some pretty big ones out there underway. Um, uh, you know, single family homes, maybe they've got some apartment components as well, but putting in amenities in these communities as well, like playgrounds and dog parts and pools and, you know, community buildings, just like any other type of subdivision, building them out, renting them up, and then flipping them, you know, to an investment fund, mm -hmm. uh, a REIT, or, you know, life insurance company, or something like that, you know, for, for a longer term hold for these. And then you referenced an article last week that there were, you know, what, 12 or 18 bids, mm -hmm. you know, for the product that DR Horton just did. So I started researching a little bit more, and uh, there, you know, there's a lot more of it going on, a lot of activity. One of the other interesting models uh, is what they're calling horizontal apartments. Hmm. So basically, uh, it's cluster housing. So it's a PUD, a planned unit development, planned urban development. So it's cluster housing where the land is a condo. So you're not selling fee simple lot, you know, and all that. You're selling a pad. So when you buy one of those, you're buying the house, but you don't own the common area or the land around the house. So all the maintenance is generally taken care of by the HOA. You can get more density, you know, those types of things. So there's, there's a buzzword, buzz term, horizontal apartments. And that's what that is. And those are nothing, you know, that's not a new idea either. Those cluster developments have been done, 
you know, uh, for a long time. And you see them more particularly in like, you know, age restricted communities, the 55 plus communities, you know, yeah. things like that. Um, think villages in Florida, you know, a mm. huge master plan community like that, where they are fee simple for the most part, but imagine communities like that coming online that are strictly for rent type communities, very interesting space and interesting business models. Yeah. I think, I think this, uh, the genie's out of the bottle, whatever that, whatever analogy you want to use there, this, this is going to be bigger next year than this year, bigger the year after that than next year. Because I mean, just I just played out in my head, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, right? I got a lot of hate comments from people that said, "What are you talking about? The American dream is gone," and all this other stuff. Uh, I, I'm not passing judgment, right? You have to step back and realize what this is doing, right? A, uh, let's start with the builder. I mean, if you are a public company and you're for profit generation, you're not a charity. I mean, why wouldn't you streamline? development, building the same model over, over, over uh, with the same amenities is cheaper and faster, right? You don't have to have this 10% variability. You have an individual home ownership and sales, but it's faster. And oh, by the way, you sell it for more. I mean, that, that example in Texas, they had like 20 bids or 17 bids and, you know, they got, they made 50% profit instead of 20% profit. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I'm a very simple man. If some is good and more is better, why why wouldn't developers <laughs> go this direction? Well, you know, number one, there's only so much appetite on the back end. So there's only mm-hmm. so much inventory you can bring out there right now that the investors are going to snatch up. Um, maybe, you know, I mean, there's apartments are selling left and right as fast as you can you can find them or bring them to the market. So number one, land land availability is a big issue. Yeah, number two, land. getting that land developed, the regulatory environment, that's an issue. You know, number three, there could potentially be pushback from some communities on doing a for rent product for sure. you know, versus a for sale. Yep. Not sure they can actually, you know, approve or deny that depending on the area and the legalities of it. But well, they, they could so, in California. So, <laughs> and, you know, when you and I talk about these things, like I, I saw a comment from somebody the other day talking about, you know, something like um, 8% of the eight percent of the population in california is over 70 and when all these people expire that's you know, going to put you know millions of houses on the market and i'm like well you know number one said so nobody's talking about that they're not making any videos i'm like well number one you know that's that's a great statistic you know if eight percent of the population is over 70 that's great they're not all homeowners right now yeah uh, number one number two they're not all going to die at the same time even exactly. if they were so, you know, when you look at something like that, you've got a potential 30 years to work. Let's say they were all homeowners, you know, they're going to die between now and 30 years from now. Some will be 80, some will be 75, some will be hundred, you know, uh, and people are living longer and longer. So that's not yeah. something that's going to really impact or affect the housing market. Not at what all. you and I are talking about is, is, you know, something that could potentially affect and impact housing markets today in certain areas Correct. because there just is no inventory. But, um, you know, the other side of that coin is builders are building as fast as they can build. There's not enough labor. There's not enough materials. So they can only do so much anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no guarantee that the money and the capital that's looking for these types of assets is still going to be there a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. We don't know yeah. you know, what, what that's going to look like uh, from a single family rental standpoint. But even still, homeownership's not going away. That, you know, this isn't going to become a renter nation where everybody rents, nobody owns, you know, but even if it did, it doesn't really matter. The American dream is not about owning a home. That's not what the American dream is. A lot of people mm-hmm. think the American dream is about home ownership. It really isn't. The American dream 
is the opportunity in this country, unlike anywhere else in the world, where you can create significant businesses, opportunity and wealth from nothing, starting from nothing with absolutely no backing. You know, there's story after story after story of people that come here with absolutely nothing from other countries. Mm -hmm. They do the work, they sacrifice, and they become wealthy and whatever. Not all of them own. Some yeah. of them rent their, their lives, no matter how, how wealthy they are. So the American dream is not about owning a house. The American dream is about creating opportunity because there are no limits to what you can do in this country. If you get out there and you sacrifice, you put in the hard work, you educate yourself and you take action, you can really do anything you want to do. Yeah. And I just want to say for some people, maybe the American dream is owning a home ownership, but I would, I would tell you that, yeah, the American dream, yeah, the, the classic immigrant story of coming here with a hundred dollars in your pocket and a suitcase and, you know, 10, 15, 20 years later via doing the work, sacrifice consistently moving forward, you're uber successful, whatever uber successful means. If that's owning a home, great. If that's being a millionaire, great. If that's being a decamillionaire, great. That is the American dream. It's whatever you aspire to be and work hard for. So I, I, I totally agree with that. But back yeah. to kind of this build for rent model, right? There's two, there's two sides of the equation. One is builders, right? And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, they have a a moral, ob I don't know if moral is the wrong word, moral is the wrong word, but they have an obligation to their shareholders. If they're public, if they're private, do whatever the hell you want. But if you're public, you have an obligation to your shareholders to generate as much profit as you can. And right now you got a hungry appetite, at least not in that one example, you, you should be filling that appetite because it's outsized returns. And when that goes away, all right, come back and build for owners. The other one is the return because that's the other side, the appetite. And I think what they see right now is they're seeing unbelievably low cap rates in uh, multifamily. They're seeing crashing values in office, in retail. I just did an example in Manhattan where it's down 25%. Oh my God, painful. And now they're looking at houses and going, shoot, I can get a seven cap in brand new product versus an apartment or a condo tower where they're getting a three cap. I mean, dude, if some is good, more is better, right? They're going to chase that return until it kind of gets on par with other investment options. And right now there's nothing out there that touches it, in my opinion. No, no. And it's traditionally been an inefficient marketplace because mm -hmm. it was the, you know, the, the bank foreclosures yep. and they were scattered, you know, it's very fragmented. So now with these communities, it's much more efficient and, you know, yeah. it is supplying a need in the market. I mean, there's a lot of people mm -hmm. that need, need a house that can't buy a house. You know, maybe yeah. they'll have the down payment. Maybe their credit's not great. Maybe they got wiped out during this financial crisis or the last one and they mm -hmm. can't borrow money. So there's a lot of really great people that need a house with a yard mm -hmm. in a nice community or whatever level community, nice, whatever you want to call that, mm -hmm. you know, they don't want to, they, they don't want to be in an apartment or a townhouse just doesn't work for them, their family, their lifestyle it could be multi-generational, mm -hmm. you know, whatever the reason is that that's a niche and it's a need. Yeah. And you, you know, in most areas, you can't find good quality rental housing. There's usually waiting lists exactly. um, for that reason. So it's just filling a demand. So as far as builders responsibility, whether you're public or private as a builder, number one, your main responsibility is to make a profit. Nobody yeah. working for free. You know what I mean? We, yeah. you know, nobody gets up and goes to work for free nope. anywhere. Nowhere. So you got to make a profit first and foremost, whether your fiduciary responsibilities to your shareholders or to your own family, mm. you got to figure out what's the demand, you know, the way you create opportunity, the way wealth is created, the way opportunity happens, the best way to make the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of energy and effort possible. Where's the demand? Go fill that need. That's it.
find find a market where there's demand, find a problem that needs to be solved. Right now, housing is a problem in this country, mm-hmm. whether it's ownership or renting. And there's advantages to renting over home ownership in terms of an investment and things like that. Um, you know, you got to live somewhere. So, uh, you know, and people, you know, there's different different viewpoints on that, depending on what you buy at, at what price point and the opportunities and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can make an argument that housing is a great investment and it's, and it's not, it's an asset or it's a liability, you know, a lot of different ways to look at that. And depending on where you're at and what you're buying at, you know, it can be one or both. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's definitely a demand. It's definitely a need and a niche that needs to be filled. And, and I think it's, yeah, it's a great investment vehicle. The other one is, uh, short-term rentals, you know, in vacation markets. Those I think are the best properties to rent year round because there's no collections, there's no evictions, there's no vacancies, Mm. you know, they're just automatic. So if you're going to own rental housing, then those things are thoroughbreds. Yeah. Yeah. Then the last thing to talk about on this topic is the kind of demand from the consumer side. I think you're right. I think Mm -hmm. one of the things that I believe is changing after this crisis is space. I think that there's a whole collection of a population that used to maybe seek out class A, you know, kind of vertical living because of the amenities. Now they're like, you know what, I'm going to stay a renter on purpose. They want to, it's their desire, mobile, mobility, whatever. But they're like, nope, I'm going to rent space. I want a yard, right? So I think there is a need for more rental Mm -hmm. housing, more single family homes. And it's that special combination. There's a need, call it demand from the consumer. There's more profit from the builders and there's plenty of money chasing yield. I think there's going to be a lot more new construction for build to rent. I think the negative is that is, is the capacity that going build for rent is not going to build for ownership. So we could see a drop in new construction for homeowners, at least in the short term until the demand is kind of quelled. Is that, that's gotta be fair, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know how else that happens. No, I mean, they're just adding it. So like, you think it's adding home builder and you're delivering, Oh yeah. You're a national home builder and you're delivering 15,000 units a year, 30,000 units a year. Like the big guys are, you're just adding another business model. So you're, instead of building apartments, you're building houses to rent. So Hmm, it's really, it's really no different instead of having, it's actually better and it's more efficient, but they're not going to stop what they're doing. They've got a machine. They need to keep feeding it. And and there's not going to be able to find enough land and enough opportunity to to keep that pipe. If you're doing 30,000 houses a year, you're not gonna be able to do that building for rent. It, you know, it just takes too long. It's it's not as efficient. And depending on where you're at, you know, that's a lot of demand, you know, uh, in different markets. Right, so you know, me, if you bring a thousand houses, yeah, you know, me, online to rent, most mm-hmm. markets, it's gonna take you a while to get that leased up. So I just wanna make sure I understand what you're saying. We'll just use the 30,000 example, right? So let's just say, you know, January of last year, so before this crisis, if you were doing 30,000 homes and now exiting this crisis, we're going to assume you're still doing 30,000 homes. You're saying that this new business model will add, I'm just going to make up a number, 5,000 units, and that will be a yeah. separate business, new new people, new um, construction pieces. It's not 5,000 of the 30, so it's, it's an extra 5,000. Yeah, it's an additional revenue okay. center that, you know, you might use the same people, the same, you know, resources or whatever. I'm just saying they're not going to abandon. They're not going to say if we got a capacity to do 5,000 homes or 30,000 homes, let's take 5,000 customs off the list and go do these rentals. Got it. They're not going to do that. They're going to keep doing 30,000 because that's what they're getting paid for now. That's okay. money today. Got it. Those clothes, they get paid today. These single family for rent communities, these are a couple of years. You got to sure. get them built. You got to get them rented. 
then you can sell them. So that's, that's a year, two years, three years to a payday Got it. versus I'm getting paid today for this. So you don't cut out your cash cow. That cash cow fuels Got the single family rental development model. So okay. that's kind of how that works. Now, this is more efficient. It's easier and they might be able to scale that up. But the question is, how fast can you do this business model and get them leased up and how big of an appetite is there and how much demand is there? And yeah. it's just like apartments. You build a thousand units of apartments somewhere and it's going to take you a while to lease those up. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I see that now. So this, this has been a wonderful conversation. Again, I think I think this is bigger. This this we're not done with this story yet. Build to rent is a model that's been proven and uh, it's going to grow from here. So uh, Greg, I appreciate your time. Thank you for looking into this. I appreciate it. Yeah.